Heavenly Father, give us focus, give us attention. I pray, please, that you would awaken our hearts in these moments together in your word. I pray that you would give us a gripping attention that we can focus, understand, and Holy Spirit, would you light that understanding up so that it creates transformation in our hearts. May our affections be warmed for Jesus. May our love expand for others, even our enemies. As you died for us, Jesus, when we were once your enemies. Help us. We need you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So as you know, this goes without saying, but the children, noises are welcomed. They're a good thing, especially for a service when all the children are together. And so it goes without saying, but I'm going to say it. There it is. <laughs> we welcome that. Okay? This, is a, this is a beautiful thing where the children get to worship with us the entire service. And so today's message is called Images of the Gospel, Images of the Gospel in General Revelation. And I'm going to explain what that means. This resurrection message finds its roots in a message by Joe Rigney called The Delight of Disciple-Making, Being the Smile of God in Your Home and in Your Church. And I would recommend Googling that message, just Google The Delight of Disciple-Making, especially for the men of this church, and more especially for the men who are fathers. You need to hear that message on repeat, multiple times. Okay? But about a two-minute section of that message has found its way into this resurrection message. And our text is not an unfamiliar text. In fact, it's the resurrection text in the New Testament outside of the Gospels. It's 1 Corinthians 15, 1-8. You know it well, but let me read it for you. Paul, writing to the Corinthians, says, Now I would remind you, brothers, and the brothers there is neutral, it can be brothers or sisters, or brothers and sisters, I would remind you, brothers and sisters, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Now Paul is reminding the Corinthians of the good news which he brought them the first time he landed in Corinth. They believed, a number of them believed, and a local church was planted. They are standing on this one gospel truth, this good news of Jesus. And Paul is reminding them now of this good news. And because they're standing firm or believing in, trusting in, relying upon this news that Paul brought them, trusting in the reality that the news is telling, they are standing firm. And for us, this, this evening here, we can stand firm in this same news. And it's because they're standing firm, they're relying on what was preached, Christ crucified, they are being saved. So, standing firm looks like verse 2. Let me read it again. And by which you are being saved, if you hold fast, hold fast, to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. So this is pointing to the perseverance that is required by Christians if they are to be saved. We continue believing as the storms of life rage upon us, as the trials continue to pound us and pound us, and as temptation continues to flow into our lives and we fight and sometimes give in and get back up and dust ourselves off. We continue to persevere. 
You want to know what I did on Good Friday? I thanked God repeatedly for dying for my sin because Friday was a horrible day for me. And so it was good in the sense that if it wasn't by grace, I would not be saved. Anyone have a Good Friday like that often? It was good for me because it was a horrible Friday for me. And I just thanked God. I thank you that this doesn't depend on me. This depends wholly, solely, totally on Jesus. And as we stand there, and we stay there, we stand firm on that truth, and we don't waver, we don't start trusting in ourselves, we don't start trusting in our performance, we we don't look away, we stay there. We stand firm. We stay there and we stand firm. Now, Paul says in verse 3, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. Now, you'll remember Paul says he received this good news, this gospel, not from any human source. You remember Galatians 1, 12, and 11? For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. Paul says to the Galatians, I didn't get this news from another source. I didn't learn it from Peter. I didn't learn it from James. I didn't learn it from John. Jesus showed up to me personally. You can read of that account in Acts chapter 9. From there, he goes into Damascus and Arabia, and Jesus shows up to him repeatedly in visions and in dreams, I would assume, and gives him the gospel. He meets him personally. He says, I received this good news from Jesus himself. Now he says to the Corinthians, and what I received, I pass on to you as of first importance. Listen, brothers, sisters, this is the main thing. This is of first importance. Whatever other subset of theology and doctrine we love, and there are much and many to love, but this is of first importance. This is where we stand. This is where our hope rests in this good news that it's not about us. It's all about Jesus. That's our hope. Now, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. Now, he's pointing to Christ. That means Messiah. That is not Jesus' last name. Jesus is his name. Christ means Messiah. So, He receives this gospel, and now he's passing it on. What's the message, Paul? That Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. The whole Old Testament points to this coming of the Messiah. Over and over. I would say the most clear place we could see it, some call it the fifth gospel, is Isaiah chapter 53. The clearest picture of Jesus in the Old Testament. Psalm 22 also is very clear. I mean, you can't miss Jesus If you've read the Gospels and then go back and read Psalm 22 or Isaiah 53. And so Paul says, according to the scriptures, the Old Testament, Jesus died for sins, for our sins, for your sins, if you will trust in him. That he was buried, verse 4. Jesus bodily died on the cross. Blood and water flowed when the spear went into his side, showing he was really dead. They didn't have to break his legs so that he would drop and asphyxiate and die that way like the other two criminals. No, he was already dead. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And he gave up the ghost, if you will. (laughs) No one takes my life from me. I lay it down, what? On my own accord. He gave up his spirit 
to the Father into his hands for us. For us. He was buried then bodily in a rich man's tomb. Joseph of Arimathea laid and wrapped in spices and burial clothes. And Nicodemus comes and donates a massive amount of money and helps in that process, we learn. The one who he visited in John chapter 3. Or I should say the one who visited him. Now, when it says, Paul, in 1 Corinthians 15.4, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, he is pointing to Psalm 16.10. This is what Peter pointed to in Acts chapter 2. This is what Paul pointed to in Acts chapter 13 when proving the resurrection from the Old Testament. Psalm 16.10. Okay, so he says he was buried and he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Then, verse 5, he appeared to Cephas, that would be Peter, then to the twelve, that would be the twelve apostles, minus Judas plus Matthias. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive. Go check it out. Though some have fallen asleep, meaning they've died. Then he appeared to James, that would be the brother of our Lord. Then to all the apostles, all of the Christians who were sent ones. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. Paul says, then he appeared to me. Acts chapter 9, the Damascus Road. A personal revelation of Jesus, which blinded Paul, knocked him off his horse, and set a new course and direction for life. Now, what we just went through there is called, listen, special revelation. You can only get it if you saw it happen or if you were told about it by an apostle, by Paul, or because you have the Bible. And you learned it from an authoritative source, whether it was an apostle, proclamation, Paul, proclamation, or it was the Bible that you read, an authoritative scripture. This is specially revealed to you. This is called special revelation. We must have special revelation to be saved. You need a verbal proclamation of this good news in order to have your sins forgiven, in order to be saved. But listen, because we know special revelation, we can look at general revelation and see the gospel, the life, death, burial, and resurrection as well. What is general revelation? It's what God has created. In fact, Romans 1, 19 to 20 says this, listen closely. For what can be known about God is plain to them. Who's them? Well, the previous verse says unrighteous men uh, who are suppressing the truth and unrighteousness. So what may be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So God reveals himself in creation. You know Psalm 119, or I'm sorry, 19, 1 to 6. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies above proclaim his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out throughout all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber and like a strong man runs its course with joy. It's rising from the end of the heavens and its circuit to the end of them. And there is nothing hidden from its heat. Now, this special revelation can be most clearly seen in Jesus. Okay, In fact, Hebrews 1, 
1 to 2 says this, Long ago, in many, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. So the prophets speak for God. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, and through whom He also created the world. And if you know John, the Gospel, all things were made through Him, and without Him, nothing was made that has been made. Jesus is the revelation of God. He is the creator of all things. So listen, would it not make sense then that Jesus as the creator, who was also the lamb slain before the foundation of the world, Revelation tells us, wouldn't he put pictures of this life, death, burial, resurrection in what he has made? Wouldn't that make sense? Now listen, when I show you some of this stuff, you're going to see it. But only if you know special revelation can you see it in natural revelation. Okay, so Joe Rigney. Joe Rigney says, Because I know special revealed gospel, I can see the generally revealed images of the gospel everywhere. Because we know by special revelation that God became man in Jesus, Jesus lived in our place, died in our place, rose from the grave, we can see God telling that story and what he has made. Here's Joe. Having seen ten frigid Minnesota winters, I know that spring is coming. It's around the corner. And I know that God is preaching a resurrection sermon with every trip around the sun. Have you thought about winter like death? The trees die. The grass dies. Everything becomes brown. But then what happens in spring? Right now. Resurrection. In the seasons, we see life in the summer, we see dying in the fall, we see death in the winter, and then right now we see resurrection life. In fact, I was on the way to an Easter egg hunt, which was more like an Easter egg, look around, they're everywhere, egg hunt thing. (laughs) They weren't very hidden, it wasn't a hunt, it was trip over them. But it was fun. And and on the way there, this was in um, like Delmont-ish, And we drove past this field, and I looked to my right at this field, and it was the greenest, brightest field I have ever noticed in my entire life. You can ask Megan. I was like, look at that field. It's like it's it's plugged in and glowing. And I was reminded, life, resurrection. Now, Joe again. I see the sun die every single day and come flying out of the grave every morning, triumphantly dancing across the sky like a groom on his wedding day. It's general revelation that preaches to me because I know the preached gospel. Have you ever thought of the sun setting every day and it becoming night as death? And then the sun comes flying up every morning, resurrection. God putting in creation the death and resurrection of Jesus. Have you thought about the hydrological cycle as the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus? What happens in, in the hydrological cycle? Well, rain comes down, God ascends, or I'm sorry, descends, the water evaporates, it dies, and then it resurrects and ascends back into heaven. The gospel, the hydrological cycle. Have you thought about that? 
the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus. Did you know that the hydrological cycle was in Job before scientists found it? <laughs> Job 36, 26 to 29. Behold, God is great, and we know him not. The number of his years is unsearchable, for he draws up the drops of water. They distill his mist in rain, which the skies pour down and drop upon mankind abundantly. Can anyone understand the spreading of the clouds, the thunderings of his pavilion? There's the hydrological cycle, the water cycle. Descends like Jesus descends. It dies and evaporates and it rises again. How about this one? Ephesians 4, 10. He descended. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above the heavens that he might fill all things. And how about this one? Seeds dying and rising from the dead to create new life. Jesus in John 12 said this, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Now, think about that. One kernel of corn, one little popcorn kernel of corn, by itself, in the bag, does nothing, in the seed bag. But yet you put that into the ground, the burial, and all of a sudden, we, not, we don't know how, <laughs> life comes, and a, and a corn stalk shoots up, and ears of corn come out with thousands of other little seeds with the potential to do the same exact thing. We see life, ear of corn, death, buried in the ground, life, resurrection. And, and listen, you, you all can do this. Okay, you can do this. You can think deeply about creation and see the gospel story. I'm just going to do those four. But here's what you need to know. Just like when one kernel goes into the ground and it shoots up a stalk, and out of that comes an ear of corn with thousands of seeds... That's the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Because one man goes into the ground, comes out, and life is given to thousands, possibly millions, probably billions of people throughout all time and eternity. And we are included in those ones. We are included in those ones. So John 11, Jesus said to Martha, you remember Lazarus died, Mary and Martha are super upset and so were the Jews, and if you would have been here, my brother would still be alive. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? That was the question Jesus had for Martha. I am the resurrection. I am the life. Whoever believes in me will not die, but live. Jesus is not just life, but he is the life. Did you know that he said that? In John 14, he says this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me or but by me. So listen, that means that Jesus is the author of life, and the author of life becomes killable and he dies in our place and he rises to new life that we might have new life with him. 
so that we might rise to new life. Listen, yes, life to the full in this life, but listen, this life is nothing and not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us. And Jesus is promising us this life, this capital L life that he is. He's saying life is in me. Not only am I the author of it, but you guys broke it, and I came into that brokenness. I entered it, and I entered into that brokenness so much that I became broken for you. And now I am alive. I am risen. Tim Keller says this. For the one who suffers, the Christian faith provides a, a resource, not just its teaching on the cross, but also the fact of the resurrection. The Bible teaches that the future is not an immaterial paradise, but a new heaven and a new earth. In Revelation 21, we do not see human beings taken out of this world into heaven, but rather heaven coming down and cleansing, renewing, and perfecting this material world. The secular view of things, of course, sees no future restoration after death or history. And Eastern religions believe we lose our individuality and return to the great all-soul. So, our material lives in this world are gone forever. Even religions that believe in a heavenly paradise consider it a consolation for the losses and pain of this life and all the joys that might have been. In Greek, specifically Stoic philosophy, there was a belief that history was an endless cycle. Every so often, the universe would wind down and burn up in a great conflagration called palingenesia. After which history, having been purified, started over. But in Matthew 19.28, Jesus spoke of his return to earth as the palingenesis. I tell you the truth, at the renewal of all things. That Greek word is palingenesis. The Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne. This was a radically new concept. Jesus insisted that his return will be with such power that the very material world and universe will be purged of all decay and brokenness. All will be healed and all might-have-beens will be. So listen, brothers and sisters. We stand on this great truth that we celebrate today. The resurrection is more than a concept to be believed. Now listen, it is essential Christian doctrine. In other words, you do need to believe in the resurrection to be saved. But it's not a concept. It's not an idea. This is real. And what this means for you is that one day you will rise from the dead. This is our hope. That this broken body, this mouth full of 20 plus cavities, and I'm sure I'm only 35, the cavities are coming by the 20s, 30s, hopefully not hundreds. I don't know if my teeth can handle that. But listen, one day, I'm going to smile, and I'm going to have brand new teeth. And so are you. Listen, one day, your hair, ladies, that you have to dye over and over and over again, you're never going to have to dye again, because you're going to love it. You know the hours you spend at the gym and dieting and calorie counting and looking in the mirror and not liking what you see? Listen, one day that will be no more. One day the weakness of the body and the susceptibility to depression and the heaviness you feel sometimes when you wake up, listen, that is temporary. When we go to a funeral and we see a Christian in that casket, we know that that same body 
is like a seed. And that same body, one day, when, when Jesus says, rise, is coming up. Undefilable, uncorruptible, perfect, like his glorious resurrection body. Do you realize you're included in that? So, so I'm not going to take a poll right now for the sake of pride, but how many of you love your body? Just love your body. <laughs> I would guess 5%, maybe. Listen, you're going to love your resurrection body. And your resurrection body is going to love the new heavens and the new earth. And your resurrection body, listen, is going to be capable of receiving the glory of God Filling the earth as the waters cover the sea. And I would venture to say, you're going to be exploring his new universe forever. Resurrection. It, it's not just a concept to be believed. It's more than that. It's real. Jesus is alive. He is in heaven right now awaiting his return. And when he comes back, he will cleanse and renew. He will get rid of all darkness and sin. Aren't you excited to be rid of sin? What will the news have to say? It's an awesome day here in the new heavens and new earth. We have no murders to report. We have no crime to report. Everything is awesome. Children are out playing with vipers and not being harmed. All of the machines of war have been melted down into farming uh, utensils. And now there's a massive harvest that billions upon billions of people will enjoy forever. Oh, and by the way, how's that new wine? That's fantastic, Tammy. What about you? Oh, this coffee, this new earth coffee is amazing. Amen. And on and on and on. But now what happens? We flip on the news, terrorist attacks, this murder, that murder. This house gets broken into. Listen, I can't wait for this all to be done with. Anyone with me? Aren't you sick of this present earth? And all of it. So, do you realize the resurrection of Jesus shows that one day we will experience a massive resurrection of the entire universe, including you, including me? The resurrection of Jesus, He is risen, is more than just a concept to be believed, it is a reality that we will live forever. Yes, sir. Yeah, paradise. Yeah. So our brother in the back said, we don't know the reality of Adam and Eve before the fall. Yeah, perfect harmony with the animals, nakedness and without shame and without fear of number of diseases. Like you, you can die from drinking contaminated water. That's how fragile we are. So imagine roaming the earth naked. It's weird, right? It wasn't weird for them. They didn't even notice, and when they finally noticed, it was because shame and sin came in, and God's like, so who told you you were naked? You didn't know before, you didn't even realize, it was so natural, and now all of a sudden you realize. What are you doing with those fig leaves? Did you eat the fruit? All right, so let's pray, brothers and sisters, and let's remember that the resurrection of Jesus is for you. A resurrected Jesus shows that because we're united to him, we will be resurrected. Last scripture, Romans 6, 5. For if we have been united with him in his death, his death on the cross was for you, if you will receive it. And if we have been united with him in his death, 
we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like this, like his. The resurrection's coming, guys. We have a very short time in this present, if you will, may I say it, hell on earth. So listen, for believers, this is the only hell you'll ever know. Did you ever think about that? For believers, this is the only hell you'll ever know. And unfortunately for unbelievers, this is the only heaven they'll ever know. But we are those who have trusted in Jesus. And we are relying on him and we are awaiting that great resurrection of the entire universe. Let's pray and let's sing to Jesus. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you have sent Jesus in our place. And you have shown us pictures in your creation that because we know the great gospel that Jesus lived in our place, died in our place, and you, Father, raised him from the dead, we can see it in creation. You're telling your story, the good news, the gospel story everywhere. I pray give us eyes to see. And I pray that we would look forward with great hope for that new Jerusalem, the new heavens, the new earth, where Jesus will rule and reign. And the glory, your glory, Father, will cover the universe like the waters cover the sea. We cannot wait. And to that end, we all say, come, Lord Jesus, come. Be glorified. And may we live for your glory now and enjoy you ever increasingly. Help us now as we sing and continue in worship. In Jesus' name, amen.